seat, everybody. How are we doing? Good to see everybody. I am, if this is your first time with us, that's fine, thanks. I'm, um, I'm Jeff Myers. I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Um, we had such a great day here yesterday and, uh, with our awareness conference, and I, I couldn't be prouder of, of uh, everybody, and, and uh, especially so many of you that were here wearing a gray shirt yesterday and, and um, helping out with that conference. It was, it was just fantastic. I don't know about, you know those, those passages in uh, the New Testament, in the Gospels, where it, would, it talks about how, this feels shorter to me for some reason. I feel like I'm sitting low on a desk for some reason. Anyway, so um, <laughs> how, you know, the crowds would be pressing in on Jesus and, and he was doing so much healing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then he would just have to kind of retreat. He's like, I, gotta, I just got to get away. Like, it, like it was just too much, it was just too much, you know, for him to almost bear at times. And I felt that way when I left here yesterday. It was like there was so much pain in this room yesterday. Like you can't imagine. If you were here, you can imagine. But, like, there was so much pain in this room and also so much healing. Like, a lot of healing that took place. And um, I had, I don't know how many conversations. In fact, I, I, I was almost overcome at, when it was all over and just all the conversations that were happening afterwards, just person after person after person that kind of pulled me aside, telling me their story of their loved one who had committed suicide of the personal struggles that they've been dealing with, with, with depression or some other form of mental illness or something. And, and it was just, man, it was like a barrage. It just kept, as soon as I would walk away from one, another person would grab me. And, and it was just, and I know for, if you were here volunteering, you probably experienced a lot of that too. All these stories and all this, you know, just, it, it was a, a really beautiful experience for a lot of people that were here. Like, to be in, for some people, just to, because, you know, we've talked about this before, we did a little series about it a few weeks ago, but how isolated people are, that are involved with mental illness tend to feel, and either, even if, if it's them that's going through it, or if it's a loved one that's going through it, there's still this kind of feeling of isolation, and to be in a room full of people that understood was really healing for a lot of people that were here yesterday, and so I just, I say all that to say, uh, we really did the Lord's work yesterday, and thank you so much for partnering with us and making that possible and being the church that you guys are, allowing us to be the pastors uh, that can lead this type of church. Like, that is, uh, it was an unbelievable experience, and, and uh, I, I couldn't, couldn't be more proud of, of Phil and Jesse for their leadership in that. I couldn't be more proud of all of you who were here volunteering and, and volunteering throughout the week leading up to it and, and, uh, and uh, so many different things that were being done. Um, I just could not be more proud of our church. I felt like, man, we earned every letter of the word church yesterday. And, and I, it, was just, it was just great. So thank you so much. That, that was fantastic. And uh, I can't wait to hear, you know, more of kind of the fallout of what happened yesterday and because stories kind of keep trickling in and, and uh, it's really great. So very proud of you guys. Thank you so much. We are continuing in our Roman series and uh, I, I'm loving this. I love, you know, we, we call it uh, reading Romans backwards. And we started at the end of the book. We're working our way to the middle. And, um, and as we've done that, we're, we're at, if you want to turn over your Bibles, we're at uh, Romans chapter 12 this morning. We're going to be covering 12 and 13. 
briefly. If you're using one of the Bibles for the back, it's page 920. 920. So we've looked at before, you know, Romans 1 through 8. First of all, this is just this like brilliant book that Paul wrote, and I've talked about that before, but it is an amazing, amazing piece of literature that Paul put down, you know, uh, pen to paper. And it is a, um, what tends to happen with this book, because it's such a theologically rich book, we tend to focus on Romans 1 through 8 because it is amazing, right? And then we kind of gloss through the, the second half of the book, Romans 9 through 16. And because the, Romans 9 through 16 is all about taking that rich theology in Romans 1 through 8 and then offer, Paul's offering guidance based on that theology on how to kind of live it out to this, this, this church in Rome, right? How do you live all this out that I've just talked about? And so what we're, what we're doing is we're starting with the how to live it out part. Uh, we're starting with the people part because I think it, it honestly sets the foundation for the rest. If we understand who this is being written to, if we understand that this is not just theology, but theology to be lived out in our lives, then the theology then makes more sense. And, it, and, and it's not just cold theology, it's living theology. Does that make sense? And so we are, uh, we're, we're called to actually live out these principles. If you've ever been to a church before where, maybe it's, maybe it's this one, where you took like a membership class and they go over all the things that they believe, all their doctrines and things that they believe. You know, every church believes something a little bit different. They're all pretty much the same in their beliefs, but there might be, a, a, you know, one point or two points here and there that they're, they're, make them differ from other churches in, in a small detail type of stuff. And um, you've been through that kind of coursework of what is it that we believe, and it, and it, send, it tends to be this kind of cold, uh, theology, you know, we believe this is what God is, and we believe this is what Jesus is, and we believe this is what the Holy Spirit is, and we believe the, about this about the Bible, and we believe this about salvation and mankind, and this about the second coming, and about the church, and, and these are our statements. This is who, you know, this, these are our fixed statements about what we believe, and those fixed statements are absolutely useless if you can't actually put them into practice in your life and actually live them out in a way that makes sense. We don't need a bunch of fixed... In fact, Jesus came to set us free from a big list of fixed statements, right? That's why he came to set us free. He, he, he's the one that introduced this idea of a living theology. Yeah, that we do have some beliefs, but our beliefs, if, if all our beliefs do is set us apart from other people, show us how we're different from others, then they're absolutely useless if we can't actually live them out in a way that makes sense to live out through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's why this is so critical that we get this. And this is one of, um, you know, I've always looked at, and you'll understand why when we get to it, if you haven't read it, most of you probably have, but Romans chapter 8, I kind of look at as almost like the climax of all of scripture. It is one of the most beautiful chapters in the whole Bible. It is amazing. I love, love, love Romans chapter 8. But I think maybe my, my thinking on this is shifting to Romans chapter 12. I think there might be some stuff in Romans chapter 12 that that might actually be the crux of what Paul is writing in this letter. You'll see as we, as we read it. But it, is, it, is, it has got to be a lived theology or it's a useless theology. It's abs- it makes no difference if you know what you believe if you don't live what you believe. Does that make sense? Like, it makes no difference. Who cares if you know? If you can't live it, it's useless. 
It's useless to you. It's useless to everyone around you. And in fact, it's probably damaging to everybody around you. It's probably damaging. I, I grew up around a lot of people who knew what they believed, but couldn't show me how to live it. They showed me how not to live. You know what I'm saying? They gave me a list of things to not do, but they couldn't show me actually how to live life in joy. Isn't it weird that, like, I, I grew up in the church. I literally, like, my, I'm not lying. My first memory is church. My first memory is church. And it's, it's being spanked at church. <laughs> my first memory is my dad walking me down the center aisle, out the, out the front door, spanking me and bringing me back in. That's my first memory. <laughs> but, but I grew up in the church. And, and it wasn't until I became a young adult that I had to go discover on my own what it really meant to have joy in Jesus Christ. Isn't that sad? Like, I, I had this, and I had good, it's not like my whole childhood was a bad church experience. I didn't get spanked every time I went to church, right? <laughs> it wasn't like it was that bad or anything. It was just this, ah, nobody showed me joy. I mean, we were around happy people, and we laughed, and, you know, I remember, you know, after every Sunday night, you know, going to, does anybody know Shoney's? Anybody from the mid, Shoney's? Anybody know Shoney's? Shoney's is this diner, kind of Denny's-style diner. Yeah, yeah. So it's this Denny's-style diner out, out uh, east. And, and, uh, but anyway, we'd all go to Shoney's after, after church on Sunday, uh, Sunday night and because they had a smoking section, and all the deacons smoked. And so, so we would hang out in the smoking section as a church, and, and uh, that was all good. But there was lots of, la- <laughs> there was lots of laughter, and, and uh, it's a lot, it wasn't like it was joyless. I, I, nobody just showed me how to, like what true joy and freedom in Christ looked like. I didn't, uh, that, that, and maybe that was more my issue than theirs, I don't know, but I just, I just didn't see that. And if we can't show people, like if all we're offering to people is, hey, come follow Jesus, you're going to love it. Here's a list of all the things you can't do. Well, then, then it's, no, it's no surprise that churches all over the country are just shrinking, 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 shrinking. But if we can show people, hey, come follow Jesus because... Once you do, this is the joy you're going to experience. This is the freedom you're going to experience. He's, you know, all that kind of stuff. If we can actually not only explain that, but live that out in front of people in a way that makes it attractive, then, then, we'll, have, you know, then, then we'll have problems with the fire marshal in here, right? And so we've got we've to figure out how to actually live out this, this stuff that we believe. And Paul gives us a great leg up on that this morning. Romans chapter 12. Look at this. He says, um, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You thought worship was what we just finished up doing, and Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not true and proper worship. You want to do true and proper worship? Offer your bodies, offer yourself up to Christ as a living sacrifice. Emphasis on living. Like, go live a beautiful, joyful life and offer that up to God as your sacrifice to him. Worship is not what takes place so much in this room as it is what takes place outside of this room. And, and when we can 
connect those dots spiritually when we begin to really and truly realize? Because some of you, as much as I love you, and, and as much as I love you, some of you are still doing that old religion thing of, of this is my hour for God every week, and there's a huge disconnect in your life between this hour and the rest of your week. There's a huge disconnect in the way that you think, in the way that you live, in the way that you parent, in the way that you work, between this hour and the rest of your week. And, I want, and, and what Paul calls us to do is he's like, no, 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 take your living life, not your church life, your living life, the life that you live, and offer that up as a sacrifice to God. Offer that. Now, I, I, the thing I love about this verse is that uh, something a professor told me in college that he said, you know, the, the trouble with living sacrifices is they keep jumping off the fire. And that's what we do. When the, when the heat gets turned up, when things get a little bit difficult, it's really easy for kind of go, you know, we want to be the living sacrifice. I'm all in for you, God. Ouch, I'm back. You know, and it's like we, we jump back off and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to rethink this. And because cause life happens and things get tough. And, and sometimes it's hard to live out these things that we believe when the pressure really gets put on. What if it's costing us you know, money? What if it's costing us position? What if it's costing us a relationship? What if it's costing us reputation? What, you know, what, how do we manage all of that kind of stuff? And Paul says, no, 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 do this. Offer, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We don't focus on that enough. In fact, so many churches ask people to just switch off their minds when they come to church. Like God doesn't want us to be thinking intelligent people. And, and, and Paul, Paul reminds us that your mind is absolutely a part of this process. Yes, the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit changes us in ways that we're powerless to change ourselves. But part of that transformation process happens when we actually go through the process of renewing our own minds, like renew our minds, allow our minds to think about the world differently, to think about our lives differently, to think about our role in this world and in this church differently, and allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds that way. Then he says, then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll be able to do that. For by the, listen to this. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And he goes off, we're not going to read this part, but he goes off on a, a pretty good tangent about how we're all members of the body and, and nobody's greater than the other and you know, all that kind of stuff. But he starts off and he says, he says uh, you know, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I think what he's saying there when he says, by the grace given me, in other words, I needed grace to come around to this way of thinking. In other words, I, Paul is kind of saying, I think, it was very tempting for me to think of myself more highly than other people. But because of the grace God gave me and the way he's worked in my life, I've come around, I've renewed my mind, I've come around to thinking of myself in a different way. And now I know I shouldn't think of myself higher than anybody else. We're all parts of the body. We all have powerful role to play in God's story. Nobody is greater than the other. It goes back to his teachings that we hit the last couple weeks about there's no Jew or Greek or there's no slave or free, there's no male or female, that we're all one in Jesus Christ, right? We're all 
We're all equal in that way. He's like, for those of you, I don't, I don't know if any of you fall into this category. We tend to be a, a pretty humble church. We, we should get t-shirts to say so. Um, <laughs> um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if, if this affects any of you in, in just kind of your thinking, but um, if you tend to be a, a person that, that looks around and kind of comparing yourself to others, and, and no shame, you know, we, we, we all got our own hang-ups. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat up anybody this morning. But if you tend to be a person that kind of looks around, comparing yourself to others, going, well, you know, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not that guy. I'm not perfect, but at least I don't have her problems. You know, that sort of thing. It, it, then, then, then Paul's word kind of comes out to you this morning and says, you know, be careful about that. Because it does take grace to cure us of that disease. And, but it's a, it's, a, it's a cure worth seeking. In fact, uh, church cannot be healthy if we're a church full of people like that, right? It can't be. That we have to honor each other and lift each other up in ways that is really beautiful and sometimes unexpected. Um, That's really important that we do that. So he goes on here and he says uh, in verse 9, skip down to verse 9 of chapter 12, he starts talking about love, what love looks like. This is critical to his whole concept. Uh, you know, his whole um, uh, point he's making about how we need to be transformed. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. He, he, he gives us this beautiful, I love Paul because he gives us these little laundry lists occasionally of all these things that you know, we should be living up to or, or avoiding or whatever. And, and he gives us this beautiful little laundry list of what love looks like. And where we get this wrong in our lives is that we tend to think about the, the spiritual transformation that Jesus is trying to make in us as some sort of us and Jesus thing, like God is going to get a hold of my life and just make me so spiritual, and I'm going to reach this Christian zen where, where oh, I'm just at peace with God and the world, and, and I, just, I just have an attitude about love towards myself and towards everybody else and all this kind of stuff. And we, we, it's, almost, it's almost like we try to smash Buddhism in with, with Christianity or something like that, and and, and that's not, did, 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 all that stuff he just taught us about love, did you catch that it had, that there was never a solo element of it, it all had to do with how you were relating to other people. Love is not something that you just discover on your own. Love is discovered in community, right? Love is only lived out together. It's only lived out in community. This is why, <laughs> and I know you've been there because I've been there too, this is why you can be in the car with your kids, if you have kids, and listening to worship music, and man, just 
praising, just like you can just be in this spiritual place where I've been in the car where like I've got a tear coming down my cheek because of the lyrics that are on the, you know, the stereo in the car. And I am just into this worship, and my kids are in the back. Yap, 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 yap. And in the middle of this tear and this beautiful moment with God, I turn around and I'm like, shut up! Right? <laughs> you know you've done it too. <laughs> you know you've done it too. Why? Because you think love is all about just you and God, and you forgot that it's about them in the back seat acting like idiots too. Right? Love is lived. It's not some sort of thing you, you just think about. Love is not some sort of thing that you just like, you know, some realization you come to or whatever. Love is lived. If it's not lived, then it's useless, right? Like, who cares? Do you think my kids are going to, you know, on my deathbed or at my funeral, do you think they're going to remember, oh, dad used to love worshiping the car? No, they're going to be telling stories about how I screamed at him in the car all the time. <laughs> That's the stories they're going to be telling. I know because I've told those stories about my relatives, right? That's the stories they're going to be telling. They didn't, all they were saying was the back of my head. They didn't see the tear. They didn't see the tear. All they saw was the screaming. And if love isn't lived, lived in a way that is patient, in a way that is tolerant, in a way that is accepting, in a way that is not conceited and puffed up, in a way that, you know, all this stuff that Paul just talked about, if it's not actually lived in that way, with people. It's not an idea. Love's not an idea. It's a verb. It's got to be lived out. It's got to be lived out. This is, what, this is the kind of transformation that Paul's calling us to. And he, the reason he calls it a transformation because he's like, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world because the patterns of this world are, are all that garbage. The patterns of this world are to treat each other low, to treat each other with, you know, selfishly. That's the pattern of this world. The, the Christ world that we're called to live, the Christ kingdom that we're called to live in is a pattern of going, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you in ways that you don't even expect. In fact, I'm going to love you so much you're going to get sick of me loving you. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to, like I'm going to live this out. I'm going to live it out. Not in, not in the words I say, not in the sermons I preach, but in the way that you and I actually interact with one another, you're going to see love in this thing. That's harder. It takes some transformation. It does. So the next, next uh, little passage, I think there's a typo here. We're skipping to uh, chapter 13, so it's not chapter 12. Chapter 13, I don't remember the verses. It's, uh, let's see here, uh, verse 8. Start with verse 8. Um, Romans 13, verse 8. He sums it all up beautifully in this. He says, let no... Okay, so he just, he just spent a little bit of time. I skipped over a part. He spent a little bit of talk, time talking about how they should be relating to the government authorities, right? And how they should submit to the government authorities. and all. So you should read that on your own. It's definitely worth reading. And I think it, it speaks a lot. It's a whole other sermon. That's why I'm skipping it. But it speaks a lot to our culture and our world today, I think, in the times that we live in. But, um, but look at... I want to skip down to verse uh, 8. And he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So he gives them this little practical advice. Again, in your relationships with other people, he's like, don't be a person that's just bogged down in debt and owing people all the time because you know, that gets in the way of love. It's a very practical piece of advice. But, but he, he has this beautiful turn of phrase. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
He's going to come back to that, but let that sink in for just a second. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And then he quotes some of the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And uh, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. And here it is. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We stress so much about being perfect Christians and not breaking any of God's laws. And this is, this is, this is the, I'm going to sum it up and make it so simple for you. Just like Paul sums it up and makes it so simple for us. You want to be that transformed Christian who is, who is guided by uh, the, the, the kind of life that Christ wants us to leave more often than not, then, then let your response in every situation that you can control be love. So it's, it's, it's no longer a matter of, well, I can't cheat on my wife because there's a commandment that says thou shalt not commit adultery. That, that, that's cart before horse thinking. Paul says in the kingdom life, in the Christ life, the way to think through that is when you're in that scenario and you're being tempted to ask yourself, what, what, is, what does love require here? What does love require here? What's... What, is, what would love have me do in this situation? Love would have me go, I know that woman back home loves me. I need to love her too. Maybe things are rough right now. Maybe, maybe you're not connecting in communication. But what would love have me do regardless? In that situation at work where you're dealing with a, a fellow employee and things, you're like this at work and it's just a tense situation. It's not... Should I get them before they get me? It's what would love have me do in this situation? On and on and on, every situation in life. You know, I, 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 there was a, a situation with one of my kids just the other day where they had done something really um, dumb, and, and I, was, I was upset. Um, it was a school thing, and, and, and so I, you know, I was upset, and, and, and I'm hearing about it at home, and we're talking to one of my kids about this, and, and uh, I, just, I just get, well, you know, they got punished at school. They've been beat up enough over this thing. I just, I, I just kind of let them off. Not, not like I, I, we didn't like say, good job, but I, I, we talked, but we didn't, feel like, we didn't feel the need to pile on pain where pain was already there, you know? Now, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do, but in this situation, it was just like, no, I'm going to, she was dreading it. She was dreading, she just knew she was going to be grounded at home as well as the punishment she got at school, and, and so, but we were like, no, I think you've had enough. You get it now. It was just, it's one of those little moments where it's like, what, what, even in my parenting right now, what does love require me to do? And love required me to let that little girl know that there's grace in this house, and it's Okay. I don't have to pile on you every time. I'm cutting you some slack this time, right? Every situation of our life, what, what does love require me to do? If you can approach life like that, um, I think you're golden. I do. I think, I think everything's going to be fine. I think you can release all that worry about, am I living up to the law of God? And am I, you know, is he pleased with me? You know, like if you're approaching life and people... Everywhere you go is like, what does love require me to do in this situation? I think you're going to be fine. Now, love doesn't always mean ignoring evil. 
Like, this is where our society has it all mixed up. We think that love means just accepting everything. And sometimes love actually means, you know, if, if, my, if my, one of my kids, when they were babies, wanted to exercise their free will to run into traffic, I don't let them do that, right? I, I, I inter- intervene because love requires me to rescue sometimes, right? Sometimes love requires us to rescue people because sometimes people are their own worst enemies and they need to be rescued. And maybe you can rescue and maybe you can't rescue, but at least you should try. At least you should try. So sometimes we speak the truth in love, right? Sometimes that's what love requires is for us to speak truth, hard truth. But what does love require? I mean, if we, if we can just hit all of our relationships in our life with, with that, work, political, family, community, church, all of, you know, all of this. If we can hit all of those relationships in this world with just what does love require me in this situation to do? I, I just think, I mean, talk about a transformed life. And this is, this is why the church at one time had such a huge sweeping impact on the world and now its influence is beginning to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle because we've lost that ability. Like we're, we're, we're more truth than we are love. Like, we're, we're more truth than maybe ever before in Christian history. We love truth. But we've lost the ability to speak truth in love. We've lost the ability to, go, like, go out and we just want to hold people to standards. But nobody ever came to faith by just being held to standards. You've got to go exercise love in people's life. That's what this is all about. So this is the big point for today. It's, it's this, that we need to learn to live that transformed Christ life. Live that transformed Christ life, and we need to learn to love relentlessly. Like, love relentlessly. Like, what if, what if when we went out of these walls into our, our community, that we just loved in really courageous ways? Loved in ways that, that caught people off guard. Like, what if, what, if we, what if we became known as a truly forgiving people? Uh, instead of you being that person that, that work that is constantly being ruffled by everyone around you, you know who you are? You know? I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody right now. <laughs> but you know who you are. Like, if you're that person at work that you're just constantly ruffled by everybody around you, you're always upset because everybody's an idiot at work and nobody lives up to your standards and whatever. Like, what if, what if you allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you into a person that, instead at work, you just learned that, People are people. There's different types of people in this world. And it's okay that there are different types of people. And yeah, maybe you've got to pick up the slack for someone else occasionally. occasionally. But what would love require? What would love require? We're called to go and be servants in this world. We're not called to go establish our authority and our position in all different pockets of, you know, what. we're called to go and be servants in this world, to really love and serve in beautiful ways. It's easy for me to say these words. I, I want to tell you, it's just as hard for me to live these words as it is for you. It's just as hard for me to live out these words. But I got to believe that we have to try this. Like, this is what has been missing. Isn't it crazy that the center of the Christian faith, of really living out Christian faith in this world, has, is what is missing from Christian faith today? That's insane. That we know what we believe and we have no idea how to actually live it. Because we haven't been transformed. We're just conforming. We're just conforming. 
And we got to go out and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We got to start thinking about this world and thinking about ourselves and our relationship to Christ. We got to start thinking about it differently. You weren't called out of this world to just be a part of a little holy huddle, a little Christian country club. You were called to be change makers in this world, to go out and love in daring and courageous and thoughtful ways. Not just, you know, dialing it in every single day and looking like everybody else. No, go love. You know what? Here's the thing, here's the thing I think. Is, as much hang-ups as we have and we tend to focus on all the wrong things. We focus on the things that we're tempted about. And, and here's the thing that we have to remember is that we've been set free by the blood of Christ from, the, from all of that sin and shame and that we keep dredging up. We keep resurrecting it over and over and over. And he has called us to be new creations, new life in Christ. Can I get a little nerdy on you, on you for just a second? The uh, uh, Walking Dead comic book series just ended, and I'm a big uh, Walking Dead fan, and so... At the end, that Rick, if you, if you don't know, you don't know. Anyway, so Rick gives this big speech at the end, and, and, uh, and uh, he, he, this community is co- collapsing on itself. They're just, you know, they're just like, uh, it's this power struggle. And, all, you know, and then they got the zombies in the world all around them and everything. But the humans, the, the, the living people are, are their own worst enemy now and all this kind of stuff. And he gives this big, powerful speech at the end. And it ends in this double-spread page image of him screaming, We are not the walking dead. We are not the walking dead. And I want to scream that to you this morning too. We are not the walking dead. Jesus didn't resurrect your old dead jacked up body to go be old and jacked up in the world. He is resurrecting a new creation, a new life, something brand new that will change this world. He is introducing a healing agent through you into this contaminated world. That's what he's doing. And you're just dragging your junk with you and just spreading it around, and we got to stop it. I am too. We got to stop it. We're not the walking dead. We are a new creation. New creation. So let's go be that. Let's go be that new creation. Let's show this world what love actually looks like. And it looks like us sacrificing ourselves. That's what it looks like. The world comes to faith in Jesus Christ when you sacrifice yourself, when you lay down your agenda, when you lay down your pride, when you lay down your ego, when you lay down your plans, and you embrace the cause of Christ, and you take love into the world, that's what you've been called to. And if you've been told you were called to anything else, can I tell you, you were not called to good living. You were not called to just good, like doing right all the time and good living. You guys know what I'm talking about. You're not called to perfection. You're not called to some sort of moral standard to set for everybody else. You were called to go love in sometimes really messy ways. Go love. Like, go do that. Get in the, in the, in the thick of it with people who need love and show them love. That's why, that's why he says, you know, true religion is, 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 is when you're ministering to the widow and to the orphan and these people that are down and out and, and need someone to sacrifice their life for their sake. True religion is to get in there with the, with the junkie 
with the addict, with the adulterer, with the, with, the, with the people that are being shunned and turned away and feeling hopeless. I had so many conversations with people yesterday that were just like, I feel like nobody is on my side. I don't know where hope is going to come from. And that's where we're called to be agents of love into people's lives like that. And we resurrect and we resurrect and we resurrect until this world begins to look like something brand new. Brand new. Let's do that. I'm not saying you don't have, you shouldn't be a moral person. I'm just saying it's cart before horse thinking. Like, how about this? How about you allow yourself to be transformed by the love of God so that you are loving everybody and just see if you don't become a moral person because of that transformation. But if all you're thinking off, all you're thinking of is the hot topic morality issues and not being that person, then you've got it backwards. You've got to be transformed in heart. This is why we can't legislate morality other than murder, right? Like, we can't legislate Christian living. Why? Because we can't expect people to be transformed who are just walking dead. New life has to come first, and then the morality follows. And so, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to Christ. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what it is. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. Let's pray. Let me pray this prayer over you that Paul prayed over the Ephesians. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Father, thank you so much for your word to us today. Help us to be transformed by your love. Help us to live out what it is that we believe. Help us to take off of the pedestal our, our theological distinctives that separate us from other brothers and sisters and instead just lift high you and your call in our life to love others. We love you and we thank you so much for this life that you've called us to. And if there's anybody in the room right now that has been toying around with the idea of answering that call to follow you, God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just show them that they don't have to be perfect, they don't have to have it all figured out, they don't have to have all their wild oats sown or whatever else, God, they just have to embrace following you and being transformed into an, a change agent of love in the world around them. And whatever hang-ups they have, God, you'll work with them on and you'll take care of them. Give them the courage right now to just, where they sit in prayer, to just commit to following you, commit to following you, commit to joining with a church that will help them in that process. We love you. Thank you for your time with us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. God is good, amen? All right, be here next week. See you later.